Perfect. I think that's shenanigans. That's my word of the day. Stop laughing at me, Larry. So that's all I got, but this is what is awesome about Celebrate Recovery. We get a teaching one week, and then the next week we get an opportunity to hear a story. And uh, this lady that's going to come up and share her story has been a part of our uh, program around here. She's been a lady who has picked uh, our readers of the 12 steps for years, years, like a decade almost, right? It's been about 10 years, I feel like. So she has uh, an opportunity tonight to share her story. And so she's been a part of this ministry. Will you guys please welcome Lonnie as she comes up to share her story with us? Exciting. <laughs> Exciting. Thank you guys. Gosh, what a good looking group. Wow. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for all the people involved in getting me to this place in my healing, in my recovery. You all know who you are. So many of you I heard from at least 20 people today telling me I was, I was being prayed for. Thank you for the family that I never knew until I came here. And I'm so thankful for each one of you. And, and I just want to tell you that this is a great place, Lord. And I just thank you for giving me my story that's your story. And just thank you for what you're going to do tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Oh, you think about this happening, you know, so much, and then it happens, and then you're like, wow, now what do I do? So, anyway. Okay, so I'm Lonnie. I'm, hi. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ in recovery from my unhealthy relationship with food, which is a symptom that stems from my core issues of abandonment and rejection, either real or perceived by me. Hi. That was a long entry, huh? One of my first childhood memories at the age of four was when my mother started a preschool so she could spend more time with me. This is a very vivid, pleasant memory I liked reflecting on. However, when my mother was sober, she was fun, childlike, and loving to our family. When my mother was not sober, she was emotionally unavailable, which caused me to not trust her. I felt the need to keep re-examining and watching for facial expressions, body language, and nurturing affection to obtain a positive expression towards me. In my mother's addiction, I felt abandoned and I used food in an attempt to comfort myself. Growing up, I had a food allergy which made it difficult for my parents to find things I could eat without having reactions. So when they did find something that agreed with me, I was, it was acceptable for me to overeat. I continued to eat for comfort. Also, I continued to reach out to my family and childhood peers to show me ways to understand and gain reassurance that I was okay and demonstrate positive behavior toward me to give me a clue on where I stood with them. Yeah, this method of affirmation was not always present or positive, which left me to revert back to my familiar feelings of abandonment. 
I continued to attempt to comfort with food. My father often showed anger and teasing, which increased my perception of abandonment and influenced my self-esteem to decline and increased my feelings of abandonment. After years of this reoccurring, I can now conclude this cycle tormented me. As an adult, I can now recognize it in my relationships with people that matter the most to me. My parents divorced when I was nine years old. In the 60s, now you guys know how old I am, it was part of the culture for the girl to go live with her mother and the boy live with his father. My mother continued in her alcohol addiction and quickly married her high school sweetheart. This was not the cure for her alcoholism. My mother's drinking progressed to falling down drunk, blackouts, DUIs, and jail time. I vividly recall the Saturday when my grandparents arrived where my mother and I were living with her new husband. Without warning, I was told that I was going to live an hour away with my grandparents. This meant I would be leaving the town and schools where I grew up. This was a pivotal event for me that continued to breed distrust and more abandonment. I do remember that it took three adults to put me in the car and my poor grandmother trying to comfort me while she sat next to the car door to prevent me from jumping out of the moving car as we left my familiar and yet unsafe home and drove away. I was now totally alone, isolated from people my own age and continued to eat and gain weight. My father faithfully would pay child support and come up to visit me every weekend and provided nice vacations in the summer. I recall the day our father took my brother and I to the LA Coliseum to a Billy Graham crusade. My brother and I both went forward and received Christ as our savior. God had his hand on my life even though I did not acknowledge him at the time. Psalms 139.16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book. By the time I was 13 years old, I weighed nearly 200 pounds and continued to attempt to comfort with food. My addiction to food grew as I grew older. I focused on what I didn't have. My low self-esteem caused me to judge myself as undesirable because of my weight. I was living life without boundaries. I was very lonely. By the time my grandmother, by the time my mother turned 43 years old, she died of cirrhosis of the liver and kidney failure from her alcoholism. A new theme emerged, the death of a significant person and the death of a key role model in my childhood that would have a few, huge influence on my future relationships. I would no longer be able to look to my mother's facial expressions or body language to tell me I was okay. I was not okay. Since she couldn't stop drinking and stay alive for me was the way I viewed it in my young mind. This was another crushing blow to demonstrate abandonment and rejection aimed right at me. But God saw me from afar and he knew 
what he would do eventually through my life. I did not know for many years to come. Because of what I went through, I now see what God is capable of. Hurtful events did not happen to me, but for me. Eventually, I get back up. It's a hard love, and he makes our road good and strong. Amen? My mother's death sent me spiraling into years of experimenting with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I even ran away with an older guy to New York. Later, in an attempt to return to California, I contacted my grandmother and requested money to fly home. I made promises to my grandmother that I would come home and behave, but she wouldn't send me the money. God only knows how I made it back home and graduated from high school. After high school graduation, I had a fairly successful early career working in a bank and learned some people-pleasing skills. I worked as a new accounts representative and caught on to the worldly benefits of polishing up my people-pleasing skills. Two women co-workers approached me about joining a Bible study. I knew they had noticed that I wasn't serious about the Lord. They asked me if I was saved. I told them about my Billy Graham experience and conversion in hopes that they would accept that as proof of my salvation. However, I wasn't walking with the Lord. Their perception was correct. I just didn't know the difference between salvation and living for the Lord. I started attending church in the 70s and gained a new perspective. However, I did not embrace Christ and did not grow as a Christian. Shortly after my encounter with my friends at the bank, I met my first husband, Bob. Bob had just returned from Vietnam, serving as an infantry officer in the Marine Corps, and was applying to college on his GI Bill. Bob was accepted at UC Davis as an ag student. This was the first of several times I quickly married someone I really didn't know. Bob was an excellent student and a workaholic. He continued to serve in the Marine Corps Reserve and was promoted to a major and executive officer. When Bob would come home from his reserve weekends, he was intoxicated. I was reliving my childhood over again and another alcoholic and lived very isolated. When Bob graduated from UC Davis, we moved to Houston where he took his first role as a high school ag teacher. Living in a small town of 2,300 people, I once again felt isolated and very alone. I was not part of his new career. As a result, there was constant conflict based on my loneliness and his inability to include me in his life. We sought marriage counseling, and I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ. I began attending women's groups, Bible studies, and facilitated my first small group with Bible Study Fellowship. Just when things were improving, Bob was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor. For 10 months, we were enrolled in the UCSF protocol for brain cancer treatment. We were both very young, vulnerable, and exhausted, observing that none of the surgeries, chemo, and radiation treatments were effective. He agreed with his parents to visit them for two weeks to give us a break. One week after he left, I was served with divorce papers. During this time, his parents sought this opportunity to redirect his life insurance benefits to them. 
His parents had a long history of redirecting the dying wishes of a woman his mother would visit in a nursing home a few years before. Here I am once again, rejected and abandoned. I drove to Southern California in an attempt to bring him home. His brain cancer had advanced and he acted like a five-year-old child demanding his mother. Two months later, a neighbor told me that my husband had died. I was numb, fearful, and having nightmares of living in an arid desert. My church family rallied around me, comforted me, giving me courage, financial help, and groceries. The church women would call me, pray with me, and helped me with making many decisions that had to be made at that time. Bob and I were still married when he died, and I had his body brought back to Modesto for a full-dress Marine Corps funeral and the traditional 10-gun salute. He had bravely served his country at a time when it was not popular to serve and honor your country. Now I am a 28-year-old widow and no career. I had been attending MJC for nursing school and needed to finish and get a job to support myself. I sold our home and moved to Modesto and attended MJC full-time. Five years later, I met my second husband at church. We were quickly married. My biological clock was ticking and I became pregnant on our honeymoon. My husband immediately decided to quit his job. Again, I realized that I married someone I did not know. In my strong desire to have children, I ignored all the red flags. For example, he displayed impulsive spending behavior, quit several jobs, and left me needing to take out a student loan to finish nursing school. I borrowed a small loan and graduated. I immediately got a job in the hospital and worked extra night shifts to provide for my family. My husband jumped from job to job. We moved from church to church, and this pattern continued throughout the marriage. I attempted to fix, control, and enable him, which caused me to miss out on all the wonders of being a mommy to my beautiful baby daughter, Susan. Two years and nine months later, our son was born. The day I brought him home from the hospital, he almost rolled himself off the couch. Quickly, I saw that this child would be very different. He was strong-willed, which is what Dr. Dobson described in many of the books he wrote. Dr. Dobson warned parents to gain new skills in order to redirect hyperactivity and low self-esteem. Some Christian parenting books even felt that spanking would not work. I made all the common errors. I used fits of rage and threw toys away when I wasn't happy with the kiddos' cleanup abilities. I was a single, married parent. I felt depressed and angry, which kept the focus off my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. My years of not expressing my resentment led me to using food again to self-soothe, soothe, which wasn't working. It was as if a 4th of July bomb went off inside me and I didn't have a pause or stop button. Early in the children's schooling, my daughter Susan, a very high achiever, tried to gain positive attention. However, I focused on the negative behavior of their father and my son. 
I neglected to give my daughter the positive attention she deserved. My behavior severely contributed to the destruction of our family. The marriage ended in divorce and the family members scattered. I took my son to a Christian boarding school out of state. My daughter Susan joined the Navy and has served for 18 years as a Navy nurse commander and is currently deployed to Virginia and is stationed on the USS Gerald Ford aircraft carrier as the first and only female nurse practitioner. Amen. I am very proud of her loyalty and thankful for her service to our country also. Two years after the divorce, I met husband number three and moved into my new role as a battered wife. Again, for the third time, I married someone that I did not know. I was very shocked and became afraid of his anger and physical abuse. His daily drug use fueled his explosive and erratic behavior. I felt so guilty and ashamed for marrying him. I did not tell anyone I was married. Romans 7, 14 to 16. I really don't understand myself. I want to do what is right, and I cannot carry it out. I prayed for a window of opportunity to exit my abusive marriage. I literally jumped out of a moving car, scaled a four-foot wall, and escaped to a safe house. I called his parole officer, who put him back into prison, which was August 23rd, 2005. This date is the historical date of Hurricane Katrina. The definition of Katrina is cleansing. I returned to Modesto and attended CR. I was ready to be free and cleansed by God. I shared my story with a loving, non-judgmental sister from CR. We met in the ladies' lounge for several hours, and she demonstrated acceptance and hope. Over time, Big Valley and CR became the family I never knew. Isaiah 54:4, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Do not be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. When I first started attending CR, I was so uncomfortable, confused, and clueless about what my issues were. I intensively knew I was messed up, but I did not have a verbal clue about how to express it. My small group, which included Susan L. and Susie M., were so kind and used all the right words to help me learn the language of being honest with God, myself, and others. I attended several different small groups for several months and got a feel for what to do and listened to the seasoned attenders to help me understand how the program worked. I was told to attend a step study and get a sponsor. Kathy H. and Debbie P., I know you're here, were in my first step study. Thank you, ladies. Debbie J., now Debbie R., was my first sponsor. I also allowed God to build a very strong accountability team for me. Thank all you ladies for nurturing me and reaching out. I attended all the groups that we had at the time. Pastor Miller asked me to start and facilitate a women's food addiction group, which I am still a part of. In the women's food addiction group, we do not hand you a tear-off sheet 
of what you can and cannot eat. Each lady individualizes her meal plan and lifestyle changes and ways to reach her goals. Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Many of us find that in identifying our food triggers and facing them leads us to healing. I have met my goal weight and find it just as difficult to maintain my weight as it is to lose weight. I also benefit from Christian counseling, which broadens my view and it intensifies my healing. Step seven, we humbly asked him to remove all our shortcomings. The aftermath of breaking free from my abuser brought to light many other less obvious types of abuse I was free to examine. I learned that my own needs, feelings, and thoughts became important. What I had allowed did not need to continue. I learned that abuse and control by others could be stopped by me. I felt good to say no or stop or take a time out to stop the control by others and stop allowing others to direct my life choices and what I do with my time and resources. Growing up as an obese child, teen, and young adult, I allowed others to treat me as lesser and undeserving of their respect. I misjudged myself as unattractive and undeserving of the same treatment others received. Because of my weight, I realized I would never get or be given the same advantage as others who were normal weight would have. I even had a second grade teacher tell my parent in front of me that I would never light the world on fire. That comment haunted me all my academic life. I was not successful at shaking that comment off during my college days. In marriage, I was not success, ex successful in expressing my needs because I did not feel I was deserving of them. The man I married never knew what I needed, nor took the time to discover what I was hiding. Disappointments inside because I was afraid of rejection. I felt as if they really wouldn't want to be with me if they knew who I was. I would be rejected. As a believer, I finally realized in my walk with the Lord that no person can give me the God kind of love I deserved and would get, would get when I fully surrendered and practiced a daily dedicated walk with Jesus. I expected from others what only God could give me. Relational dysfunction is a huge trigger for me, especially with my adult kiddos. My accountability team helped me see my blind sides and utilize step eight by being willing to make amends. My sisters brought it to my attention that my adult kiddos distanced themselves from me when I interrogate them and ask too many questions. What's wrong with that? <laughs> For example, when my children distance themselves from me, I go into my deep, feelings of abandonment and rejection, and I'm triggered into wanting to eat for all the wrong reasons. Use of my daily inventory and being willing to make amends brings me back to utilizing my tools and steps. Step nine, we made direct amends to such people whenever possible, especially when to do so 
would injure their, them or others. Working step nine and making amends, attending group, and having a team to keep me accountable has allowed me to experience what the ninth step promises in the big book of AA, page 83 and 84. If we are painstaking about this step, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past or shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. We will intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. Amen. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Work, work, work. The toughest part of my recovery was taking my mask off and letting God expose and begin to heal my abandonment and rejection issues. I also am learning to love myself as Jesus loves me. Step 10 states, admitting when I was wrong and promptly admitting it, gave me the greatest opportunity to start dialogue and the process of reunification with my children. This is an example of what God has done. My daughter has complimented me on improved version of myself, and we can see and experience, she can see and experience my focused work on my character defects. She appreciated the changes God has made in my life. Also, I know that I am a very cool nana to my three grandchildren. I make several trips a year to travel and spend time with them or fly my grandchildren to California for family vacations. I have not had opportunity to have a successful reunification with my son yet. He did graduate from the Christian boarding school and after his graduation, my son also served in two tours of Iraq and Afghanistan, serving seven years in the US Army and I'm very proud of his service. Yes. Step 11, I pursue a daily quiet time to meditate, study, and pray during my daily walks. I attend a Tuesday morning ladies' Bible study. Where's my ladies' Bible study people? Yay. I love you guys. <clears throat> Each week, a different attendee facilitates our discussion. Also, for the past year... I am involved in a study on Daniel. Daniel is very exciting in light of what many Bible scholars believe that we are approaching the end times. I'm ready. Step 12. In giving back, I have the privilege of serving the beautiful ladies at the Redwoods. Where's my Redwoods? Woo! I love the ladies at the Redwoods. Okay, so I love that service. I'm at the Redwood Family Center in Modesto. I love watching you guys grow and develop into strong heroes and live an overcoming free life and pursue reunification with your children. Amen. Great. I love you. These precious and beautiful ladies 
have taught me the importance of forgiving those who hurt and abandon us when we were at our most vulnerable places in our hearts. Redwoods Family Center is a large and growing ministry in Modesto, developed and supported by several Modesto churches. Our pastors here at Big Valley can give you more information about their outreach. I have also worked as a diabetes nurse specialist in the same hospital for over 35 years. Amen. To the newcomer, I would like to encourage you to keep coming back. You will get over the feelings of dis-ease and meet others just like yourself. We all need healing from brokenness. We can expect God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We also can expect to do recovery with a loving, non-judgmental family that understands us. A family that we've never really known or experienced before. Before I close, I would like to challenge us all to move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Hebrews 6.1. Thanks for letting me share. Let's hear it for Lonnie one more time. I encourage you, if her story touched your heart at any part of that, to uh, let her know. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, come up to her and just tell her uh, how it impacted your life and maybe even your recovery. So, very, very cool. Um, let's stand. If you're sitting down, please stand. Let's close with the serenity prayer, and then we'll head off to our open share groups. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever and the next. Amen. Hey, before you dismiss, if you're watching online, I forgot to give you our focus question. Here it is. Now that you are in recovery, what support system do you have in place to help you? Or what support system do you need to put into place? See you guys.